Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. Friday edition is here. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. With Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. 6th and Peabody, our location, packed full of hockey fans and travelers to Nashville. Tampa Bay in town with the Lightning for the outdoor game uh, in the NHL tomorrow evening against the Nashville Predators here in Nashville um, at Nissan Stadium. We'll hit on that a little bit later in the show. Bobby Carpenter is on today's program. He will be on at 420 Eastern, 320 Central. Looking forward to that. Plus, we have Austin Price of VolQuest.com with the latest on the Vols and what is going to be a big college hoops weekend in the Southeastern Conference. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Lots and lots of Tampa Bay Lightning fans in there 6th are. and Peabody today. They have swarmed this place. I didn't know there were so many Tampa Bay Lightning fans. I think they're all right here in 6th and Peabody <laughs> yeah, right Tampa now. Tampa Bay is titled. There was a gentleman waving at us yeah. that's wearing the, uh, the uh, Winter Stadium Series Tampa Bay Bolts. Which is sweater. a terrible sweater, but the second worst sweater in the game. It will be the best <laughs> sweater featured in that yes, game right. tomorrow. That's right, Paul. Paul, um, you walked in today ready to go. I'm, I'm coming in hot. I, and I hate this when a team does <laughs> something good. Well, I hate when a team does something good, but there's a bad element of it, and I'm left to point out the bad element of the goodness. And then everybody says, oh, Paul's raining on the parade. And Pecorini. Oh, old man Paul again yeah. coming in with old his man miserable screaming in a cloud. <laughs> oh yeah. But look, the 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 Predators in Nashville, the NHL did something nice last night, and they had the appropriate ceremony for Pecorini, the best player in their history. It's about a twenty-year-old franchise. Nineteen ninety-seven, they took the ice. Pecorini, clearly the best player in franchise history, and he had his number lifted to the rafters last night. The first season uh, after he retired, which is the appropriate thing. Yeah, 25-year franchise, Paul. And to put in perspective, 16 of those years featured Pecorine, 2005 to 2021. Mm -hmm. Pecorine was a part of the team. Lifelong Pred. Never played for anyone else. But we can't be satisfied with what is the sufficient honor for him. And so... In the midst of the celebration of him last night and the the raising of his number 35 to the rafters of Bridgestone Arena right down the street here from our broadcast studio, they announced that they've commissioned a statue of him. Now, I am anti-athlete statues. I think they're far too frequent. I think statues are a special, special honor. I think you got to be a Hall of Fame level talent. I think you got to be like a top third of the Hall of Fame level talent. I think statues are reserved for 
the Ted Williams and the Vince Lombardis and the Babe Ruths and the Michael Jordans and the Jackie Robinsons, people who not only were tremendous players for their organizations, tremendous players for their leagues, and maybe like social change kind of guys, like transcend sports. That's what it takes for me for a statue. I want you to be George Washington. I want you to be Jesus. I want you to be uh, MLK. I should have put Jesus first. I I went a little out of order. My list was scrambled. Your priorities are all I want you to be Ben Frank. I want you to be Harriet Tubman. I want you to be saving people's lives. An example, Paul, and this is where I totally agree with you for once on this. Ted Williams. Ted Williams was not just the greatest Red Sox player of all time. The guy was shooting down planes in World War II as a Marine pilot. I think it takes great sporting achievements and great other achievements in some way. Or even if That's you go, a good example even of that. if you go to Jordan, Jordan tr- took his sport to a new height. Babe Ruth created baseball in a lot of ways. He, he created the superstar athlete. Like the top Jackie guy Jackie Robinson obviously broke the color barrier. I, I need you to be of a certain level. And this is where I have trouble with it because it sounds like I'm bashing Pecorine, who's an innocent victim here. I used to have this conversation with Frank Wycheck, who I covered with the Titans, a very good tight end, a Pro Bowl tight end, who Titans fans would push for the Hall of Fame, and I'd wind up in the spot of explaining why he's not a Hall of Famer, and he would have his feelings hurt saying, I never said I was a Hall of Famer, and here I am in this conversation where I feel like you're bashing me, defining how I'm not a Hall of Famer, what did I do? And he didn't do anything, except he was a victim of overzealous fans who didn't understand what a Hall of Famer was. Pekka Rene didn't do anything here, except his, his organization is overzealous about the level of honor he's worthy of. But he's not one of the best hockey players of all time. His fitting level of you rise to your level and his level is he's an excellent player for his organization the first guy with his number retired for his franchise and that's that's big don't make that like that so they do on the night they do it they say we're doing this it's a really big honor but it's not big enough we're gonna do a statue to make it bigger so you're here for this save your ticket stub you don't have a ticket stub anymore save your ticket stub but guess what this isn't really big enough. What you're at tonight's a big deal, but it's not that big a deal because next year we're going to unveil a statue in the plaza, and that's really the big deal. Tonight, this is just a thing. It's too much. The statue is, is too much. I, I, I'm with you. And, and you're also right. Look, it was a very well-done event, and Pecorine is absolutely deserving of having his number retired, his jersey in the rafters, all those things, but... There is this immediate rush to, well, there's a Jersey retirement. What else can we do? Let's name a building after him. Let's build a statue. Who, uh, what other jerseys can we retire? Since we're retiring Pekka's jersey, who's next to have their jersey retired? It's okay to just let it be about Pekka Rene, right? For a night, for a weekend, for a week, for a month, for a season, whatever. There doesn't have to be a rush now for... Let's find out other players that are going to have their jersey retired eventually. By the I, I think the only there's way there's been a rush to that also to bring that up in conversation is to, I think that sets the scene for how important Rene was to the franchise. If you're having the discussion about okay, who's next, and 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 if you decide who's next, 
how much more do they have to do to earn that honor, that, right? right? Like that, and that's to, a to column put in perspective, for tomorrow. Yeah, to put into perspective of what he meant to the franchise, or any. This is a sports topic, not just a Nashville Predators topic. Um, you know, I think far too often your, uh, and I say your, the, the the sports world sometimes rushes to do the the number or the statue in order to create history for the organization. And that's the, the statue here feels that way. And that takes nothing away from Pekka because he was awesome. But for a young franchise, you're looking for your stake in the ground on history, like your organizational history. And if you're just doing it for that, to me, and just to define an era, that doesn't meet the bar. I think the bar is too low nowadays. I, I don't think you have to be Hall of Fame status like that. I think what they've done at Florida with the Gators is perfect. The quarterbacks that have won a Heisman Trophy have a statue beside each other right outside Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. It's tastefully done. It's cool. You've got Spurrier, Werfel, and Tebow. I think that's perfect as you walk into the college football stadium, and they've reached the highest honor of college football there. And the next one to win a Heisman will get a statue there as well. I think that's cool. Um, I'm not against commemorating history for your franchise or team or college or whatever it might be, but I, I think this, the statue comes down the road after the number retirement because then down the road, and I'm saying years, then you're able to even in full context say, this is the greatest player that we've had. Right. And the replacement and the replacement and the replacement didn't come close to reaching his level, right? Like that's, that's the idea, at least for me, is the statue is for well post-career and sometimes commemorating the life of an athlete. And I sure hope, for the Predators' sake, they win a Stanley Cup or two, and his achievement is, is not as big in the context of the organization. There I go insulting him again. Oh, my God. But I, look, he was great in his era. Is it bad for me to hope, as a, as a Nashvillian, that better days are ahead for the Predators? And they have a goalie who's not pulled during the Stanley Cup? Who wins the Stanley Cup? I mean, I, that's not an insult it's, to him. That's a hope for the organization. It's also an organization that got drugged by social media accounts across the league for raising a banner about Western Conference regular season championships. And the uh, people make fun of the Preds for hanging a banner for anything. So you got to ease up a little bit on the night with the jury because they've done this right. He's the one player to have the jersey retired, the number retired. They've done it right. Tom Fitzgerald doesn't have his jersey hanging, you know, from the Preds. Mike Dunham doesn't have his jersey up there. Pekka Rene is the good. only one deserving. That's a good thing. So maybe ease up on the statue part of it also on Pekka's night. And you don't want to play into that silly stereotype, people clowning you for hanging a banner for every little achievement. I got into it a little bit with Joe Rexford, who I respect a great deal. I think he's the second best print columnist in town to me. Um, <laughs> and he, he wrote a column last night hooking together a Philip Forsberg, that's, that's up for <laughs> a, a, a Philip Forsberg uh, trade rumor with Pekka's retirement with the people who were there last night. But, uh, and it's a good column at The Athletic. But I, I, I tweeted a mention to his column, and I said, not satisfied with the night's events and Pekka's singularity, and excited Joe retires three more numbers in this column. And he, he mentioned Forsberg and Shea Weber and Roman Yossi, 
as guys who might have their number up with him. I think in a column about last night's events, let let Pekka be singular and let's well, not raise other banners. That's me critiquing example, a fellow writer. An example of creating history versus honoring history. Do we think the Los Angeles Rams retire number nine Matthew Stafford because he brought a Lombardi trophy to the city of L.A.? Maybe, but, but I don't think we declare it today. Yeah, I mean, but again, I don't, I don't think what just happened is statue-worthy. In Los Angeles. No. But that, I think that puts into perspective what Pekka meant for Nashville and pro sports Organizational context, Los Angeles. for sure. Paul, and, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, and this is no uh, insult to you. I don't really think of you as a columnist. I think Joe Rexford's the best columnist in the city and in the state. I, I, think, I think, he's, it's very I think he's very good. The statue thing. I, I think he's a very good writer. Uh, I think he does a really good job. And I'm also somewhat sympathetic when I feel like when you're writing – for a publication, a site, whatever, and your readership tends to be excited fans, you feed off that excitement. What did right? You, I think it's easy I think to it's get your job to I temper think it's that. easy to get lathered up in that excitement and then, you know, play into it and start retiring other jerseys. I think you got to talk about it. doing it also. Yes, but then people would come back and argue, Paul, why you got to rain on you know, a wet blanket Paul Kowarski well, again? I would celebrate Rainy the hell out of Pekka. Parade. Celebrate the hell out of Pekka last night. Well, what about the, the... What he's doing, people are saying that, I'm raining on the parade. I'm not raining on the parade. I'm exalting Pekka. I think you're watering down Pekka by talking about Forsberg and Weber and Yossi getting their numbers retired. That waters down Pekka's moment. Well, what about the... We were just out in Los Angeles for, for the Super Bowl in, in Radio Row, and you've got the plaza right there at uh, the uh, Staples Center. Crypto.com. Uh, Lakers have a ton of guys. I mean, they're everywhere. They're yeah. covered in the plaza with these But statues. that's a team with some it of the biggest history in the league. You got Magic. Shaq. You got Shaq. Elgin Baylor. You Kareem. got Elgin Baylor. You got Jerry West, I'm to think who of the, the damn logo is. But you got Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Well, I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll say statues aren't reserved for the biggest markets in America either. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't New York and Los Angeles and that's it. Get over it. I, I'm not on top of that either. No, I, I, I'm definitely a, a, on the extreme minimalist side. For sure. I, and, and you can make a case. But I think this is on the, the other side, the maximalist. That, that the day you retire a number, you also declare it comes with the statue. Do they come in tandem now in, in Nashville, Tennessee? Is that going to be the standard? We retire a number and we give you a statue but at the, the same the, time? Uh, the I'm argument. getting a, a pencil out right now because I feel like we need to make our own show rule book on what deserves a statue. I love that. And what <laughs> doesn't? I'll give you another possible exception. Early death. People who die tragically young tend to get statues quicker than others. Yes. Steve McNair. It's not statue worthy. Yeah, but I'm, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying if Steve McNair got a statue, that would be one Part of the of parameters why. for why he got a statue. A tragic young death. But the, the, uh, also the, the counter to that is it's not, you're not honoring NHL history. You're not honoring the best in sports. You're honoring the best for your organization yep. as you walk into the building of the organization. This isn't NHL headquarters down the street. You're honoring the best of the Nashville Predators, and without a doubt, he's the best. And it's, gonna, it's a very high bar to reach over 16 years where he doesn't leave the organization high and dry like Shea Weber would have liked to do and gone to Philly and like Ryan Suter did. And both were in attendance last night. Um, and I think that's all in perspective of, of the market and, and the impact on pro sports here. And I think there are other markets just like Nashville that are young and thriving overall and relative to the, the main markets across pro sports. 
And I think you 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 have to qualify you have to qualify your rules different than you would for Los Angeles. Yeah. But well, to me, nothing wrong with a good old Jersey retirement. Yeah, I absolutely. I, I, let's, let's, I agree. Let's end it on a little bit of positivity. What was done last night was terrific. That was perfect. There was an hour send-off to Pekka Rene honoring him completely. There were video tributes. There was a star-studded cast on stage. Uh, there was Ryan Suter for the Dallas Stars coming out to watch you know, as an, as an opponent to honor Pekka Rene. Organization did a heck of a job. Fans were loud. David Reed was there. Very well done. Just ease up on the statue right after that to follow. That's, that, I think that's all you're saying, right, Paul? Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Everything else was well done. Yeah, I would say you allow things to breathe a bit. I could have stood right? one less speaker. You could do other than that. Somebody in particular? You can do oh, one yeah, with the jersey and then move to down the road the statue unveiling. And that goes for any any pro sports team. But I'm not I'm not anti statue based on history of the organization. But you don't define the history twenty five years in. Right. I, I, I'll take that, and I'll you know, as I said, I'll go I'll go further with it. To me, you gotta uh, stratify and and put space between the things. You know, and a lot of organizations do. Ring of Honor is a certain thing. Uh, number retirement is a certain yes. thing. Uh, Team Hall of Fame is a certain thing. Pro that that sports Hall of Fame is a certain thing. I don't need the rules measured out for me. I just know. And in this case, I know. Big College Hoops weekend. Uh, we will hit that. And coming up, Aaron Rodgers wants top dollar. Top dollar among all players across the National Football League. This, in as the world turns, in Aaron Rodgers. That's next on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We've reached the point of the offseason where the headline is that the back-to-back most valuable player of the NFL wants to be paid top dollar. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Uh, reports are uh, Aaron Rodgers wants $50 million per year if he is returning to the Green Bay Packers. This was um, Diana Rossini on the Rich Eisen show with the report. Does he have one year left? He has a year left, yes. So, I mean, I don't find it unreasonable that the three, three-time most valuable player, four-time most valuable player, twice back-to-back, yeah. uh, the last two years, um, a year removed from the end of his contract, wants to be the highest-paid player. Uh, this is not a surprising development. Um, like you said, when we were getting ready to come back on the air, uh, inch by inch, you know, stuff gradually comes out. Um, I do think the one thing that skews this is uh, Tom Brady consistently because you know inevitably people are going to say well Tom Brady took less for his team to be better Tom Brady throw him out the window as somebody to compare he's a rare exception who generally took less he's got a filthy rich wife 
and was a guy who's maybe willing to take less to be more competitive uh, on his team. The Patriots are not a conventional team. Like in the history of football, they're an outlier in the way they're structured, in the way they performed, and all of that. I think you have to take them and toss them out. You can't ask the Packers to model themselves like the Patriots did. You can't ask Aaron Rodgers to model himself as Tom Brady did. And outside of that, what MVP in the history of sports hasn't, you know, ultimately wanted when his term came to be the highest paid? And again, Rodgers would be the highest paid for precisely one year until the next quarterback's contract comes free and he gets to be the highest paid, which is always how it works, right? Highest paid sounds really good and looks really good for approximately one year. Well, so so he has made a combined, if he plays this year, upcoming season, under his, under his current deal, it will be a combined r- roughly $50 million this past season and next season. He made 21 point something or 22 point something this past year, and he will, he's scheduled to make 26, 27 million next season. And we expected him to want another contract, so we shouldn't be surprised that the, the new contract that he wants would come with a massive price tag now, on it, right? He's the MVP. So the reports uh, that were trickling out earlier this week were uh, he will, he, the, not just reports, the Packers have told media that, in fact, there is not some language in the current restructure deal that he did last offseason right into camp that there is a, an agreement that if he wants to be traded, he'll be traded. Right? Gutenkus said, said that. Not formal. Not formal. But what, what was restructured is after this upcoming season, his contract voids after the seventh day before the seventh day before the 2023 league year would begin. And so this year that would be March 9th. And that's important because that date happens before an organization is allowed to put a franchise tag on a player. So that language is in there on purpose. Right, this year, that, that would, would be March 8th. That would prevent next year at this time, that would prevent the Packers from franchise tagging him. That, that was written in That's as clever. a part of the revised contract. But he's scheduled to make 27, and he wants double, according to Diana Rossini, if he's going to return. Now, what also complicates things is the, the salary cap implications of all of this for Green Bay. I mean, they... If he comes back and you get Devontae Adams back, that's great. But they are going to have to let go a lot of top-tier talent on their roster in order to make the room to do it. And I understand teams can do this all the time. They can restructure and push and kick contracts down the road. But, I mean, for the past seven months, we've done nothing but hear that the Packers are at a crossroads because of the upcoming salary cap situation that they face. They'll have to mortgage the future, Chad, but... The one thing I'll say, and I've always said this, is it is not a player's responsibility to manage a team's cap, right? Guy, especially in football, with minimum career time, and he's pushing 40, he's got two, three years left probably, he's going to make all he can, Uh, the market's going to dictate that value, and it's their responsibility to manage their cap, not his. True. I also think that there are exceptional team sport athletes who take it upon themselves to help in any way they can to well, win, a, win a Super Bowl. They can do voidable years with There's him. There's plenty of those guys and stretch, examples out there. With, that would stretch this contract out that could make his cap number this year entirely palatable. And we still don't know if he wants to be there. Right. You know, he's a, we're still expecting an announcement 
or a decision sometime soon, I think Diana Rossini reported. So I'm with you, Paul. It's not on them. That, that's for the, the general manager, the cap experts, everyone else. It's not on the player to make the salary cap work. But there are plenty of examples of quarterbacks and other players who have done everything possible uh, to get very flexible within the cap to help in the immediate if you're trying to win a Super Bowl. And that's where the Packers are. I mean, it is win a Super Bowl or bust. Every year, as long as Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, it was that case this year when they lost their first playoff game. They are a Super Bowl or bust type organization. For sure. As long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback. And Paul, remember what, what Rodgers said as soon as he had his first press conference upon returning to the Packers, uh, deciding he was going to be back this season. He said, in describing the whole saga of last offseason, hey, I felt like if you're not going to commit to me past 2021 and you've made the draft pick and you're not going to let me be a part of recruiting and free agency and you're not going to let me be a part of the long-term plan, I felt like, well, just go ahead and let me go and move on with your plan. That, that's what he said in, in front of the, the Zoom session with reporters just you know half a year ago. And now he turns around and says, hey, commit to me. Of a wrench. Commit to me but also make me the highest-paid player in football. Which changes your plan. Absolutely. Yeah. But they could, could have seen it coming, you, you would think. And again, those avoidable years. Basically, to me, this is a, hey, um, you know, if, if I'm staying, uh, you're mortgaging your future for the next couple years, to which I'd come back to him and say, you know, you haven't exactly guided us to the promised land these last couple of years with your playoff performances. And I'd haggle some based on that. He's but, gonna win. But I mean, he it's also very hard to argue against him no, based I, on his I performance. Agree. I agree. Um he's he's exceptional. And he's without a doubt, no matter how much we talked about him this season and everything going on behind the scenes, he, he was the most valuable player and yet again. Play, and the playoffs are too, too much of a degree, I feel like, sometimes a crapshoot. Can be. But, uh, Chad, what, how, how dire of a situation would you be willing to take the franchise if Rodgers wants 50? And I say that, keep in mind, for years... How many years do you think he wants that's not that's not dictated here. I'm, that's also fascinating. No, no. Let's speculate on that. But the but the the you give them three, you pay them over six. Think about what the Saints did with Drew Brees. They continue and constantly restructured that deal to give him more money up front, and then made room on the cap. But that didn't lead to a title, right? We've got a Hall of Fame quarterback example there that they they continue to kick the can down the road, meaning they continue to push money to further years and eventually you have to face the the cap penalties going into an off season and that's what the Packers would be doing yeah I mean they're just in a weird spot uh, just overall I mean, Aaron Rodgers is in a weird spot they're in a weird spot their cap could be in a weird spot I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for wanting the money but I also think that if you're doing that right now it may not help the Packers if that's the team you decide to stay with uh, in the long, it's 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 just odd all around when you look at that situation. I think Greg Jennings, on first things first, says Aaron Rodgers has been a very selfish guy, and then Jennings goes on to say, "I go back to personal experiences. His words to me were, 'Don't be that guy,' and all of a sudden it's about the money. 
That from Greg Jennings, one of his former teammates. And I don't blame him. If that's what Aaron Rodgers told him, I'm glad he said that because that's a very <laughs> hypocritical stance of Aaron Rodgers to tell a teammate that about his own money and then do this. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Paul, I'll also say, like, there, there is a part of me that believes that the salary cap is real, and then there's a part of me in the NFL that believes that it's a complete myth. Because if you, you know, the projections that we always talk about with these teams, there are ways to finagle and maneuver money to make sure you remain a contender. Well, right? it's not a complete myth. I, I mean, some people who say it's a complete myth are, are, I think, overreaching. You can finagle it. But at certain points, certain parts of it are, are going to, to hit you. If they want to stretch, sign Aaron Rodgers right now to a three-year thing and they can stretch the, the hit over six years with three voidable years, can they minimize the damage to themselves and spread it out? Yes. Will they still be paying for him three years after he's done playing for them? Conceivably, uh, yes. Or will they be ta- those three voidable years will be wrapped up in a hit in the fourth year? Yes. So there are mythological purposes to it, but is it a complete myth? No. And there are tentpole dates on the calendar for teams to follow. Like, if you're going to do this deal with Aaron Rodgers, you don't do it bef- before the first day of the league year because on that day, you have to your top 51 players count against the salary cap. You must be below the salary cap for your top 51. And if you're going to add that to it, you're cutting a ton of a ton of players in order to be below that number or right at that number going into the new league year. So you would want them. And then there's always a June 1st reality to everything on some of these cap hits. Yes. And you can, that, that's uh, what's you can hard to figure out. You could designate post June 1st for one guy um, ahead of that. I mean, there is manipulation to be done and some people are masterful. I, I find it to be somewhat of a myth because all year we heard about how it was now or never for the Rams and it was all in and it was this year. It was boom or bust. And then it ends and, Immediately, the, the articles are, oh, there's a lot of things they can do to manipulate the cap to run it back. <laughs> right. With well, everyone. But, but, you're, not hearing bring same, everyone but back. you're not hearing the same thing about the Saints, who are right. truly yeah. in trouble True. because they've kicked it down the road. So That's pe- the example. Te- teams in trouble are at different stages of trouble. And eventually, it's actual trouble. And they've, you know, they essentially replaced a massive quarterback contract with another massive quarterback contract in LA and they just improved the, they improved the play at that position um, but the, the Rams though as a part of running it back they have to re-sign Odell Beckham Jr. and Von Miller two key free agents if they're going back the, the, the way Tampa just did where you bring back everybody I'm, I'm not sure if they can pull that off but to truly run it back, they've got to re-sign some free agents that were impact players over the second half of the season for them. It looks as though Kyler Murray and the Cardinals have made amends. Uh, this was... Uh, <laughs> Just in time for Russell Wilson to yep. uh, start it up again. Yes. Um, Michael Bidwell, a Cardinals owner, he told Arizona Sports 98.7 that he spoke with Kyler Murray last night. And the quote was, we had good conversations nonstop. I think there's a lot of interpretation around the social media scrubbing that's inconsistent with the conversations. The fact that Murray is answering the uh, phone calls, though, a good sign that he's willing to answer the phone calls of the organization and not be demanding a trade. Well, one year left. Uh, also, good, oh, two that, years. good that ownership is saying nice things publicly. 
Yeah, he um, said he also used the word love. Said we we I love our quarterback and looking forward to the future with him. But it could also just signal that the ownership side isn't going to take um, any ill will or any any strife public. Right. And you've got the... Try to solve it behind the scenes, you've which got is the, the right thing to do. You've got the fifth-year option. So right now he's got a year left. They, they'll pick up his fifth-year option in May and lock that in as they continue to negotiate the long-term deal. Um, but if you're... I mean, but the if, weird part about this continues to be Kyler Murray. Yeah. Like, I like that the owner has spoken and the owner saying the right things, but the owner's, ownership never did anything strange. Kyler Murray's the one acting strange. Yes. He's the one taking down the Arizona Cardinals stuff from his social media and then posting these things about how you know, he's a warrior and he proves people wrong and yada, 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 without mentioning why he took down everything with the Arizona Cardinals. So that's the weird part. And saying of all he those. doesn't want to deal with all that or whatever the phraseology. Yeah, I'm was. not about that. You know, I'm not a. I, he starts. It was it, weird. He's not about it. I, if people who know me know that I'm not that type of guy and know that I'm not about that. While he's a, doing something it. to trigger everyone thinking you're right. that type of guy and you are about that, and then not explaining why you did that thing. Russell Wilson did it. Now Russell Wilson's doing it again. And he, this he is the second the time. This is really the play. Right? This is really the play. Yeah. If you want to start stuff, you remove your team from your social media. If I get mad at OutKick, do I take down yeah. any mention of OutKick from my well, <laughs> social media to see if people notice? If you're, Chad Withrow took everything ten, down. If you're 10 years younger, you do. <laughs> I mean, crazy world. That's how you... Uh, and it's not, on, it, it's not an accident. That's how you send a, min, no. a mean this text. Is, this is very much on purpose. Yeah, it's... it's what a world. Well, it's like we taking your ball home. And then you have, uh, you have the real conspiracy theorist. Um, so Wilson posted as his new profile photo. Was, it was him in a Seahawks uniform. Now it's him and his dad from like growing up. And people, <laughs> I just think it's funny how they, t- they tie everything in. It's from an era where he would have been in high school in the Washington, D.C. area. So now everyone's, everyone's talking commanders, quarterback Russell Wilson. I said, he's coveting a new home. He ain't coveting the commanders. <laughs> right? Uh, I wouldn't think so. It's like I see the Washington Monument in the background of this photo. He's going to be a commander. <laughs> if you look deep in the photo of him with his dad, that's the nation's cat. That's the White House in the background. I mean, he could find ten better situations. Clear commander. That. Clear commander. I'm, I'm telling you, I if uh, common sense to me says if the if the Colts are truly done with Wentz to fully upgrade Wilson's the guy. I know they have not been the organization that has been all about trading picks and maneuvering things, and they, they like their draft picks. But I, those postseason press conferences, um, it looked like deer, not deer in the headlights. It looked like a somber, a somber admittance that hey, I've. We, we may have to look at things a bit differently after trying to convince our owner in doing so last offseason that Wentz was worth the trade that we made. I give him a first-round pick for Carson Wentz. And a second. Right? And it, so the, the, that's another myth, that, that that organization doesn't want to trade away picks for a quarterback. They just don't have one this year. Well, if they do it twice, <laughs> then they really don't have draft resources to, uh, to build. With. I just think some, some of the coaching situations are intriguing and, and GM situations because if you've got an owner that nearly fired you after losing to Jacksonville, it's about winning now. And if you get fired, why do you care if you've set up the organization in a bad spot? You know? But if, if, you, if you win now and you can get back in the postseason and make a postseason run, 
you've won a contract extension. Yeah, but these are also owners. Uh, I'm devil's advocating again. You know, everything clearly is going through Ursay there. Everything goes oh, yeah. through an owner anywhere in terms of a blockbuster trade. And so if they come and say, hey, we got to deal three more really high draft picks for another quarterback, which would then amount to, uh, you know, five high draft picks for two quarterbacks in two years, um, he's going to say you're not doing a very good job as it is, even if this guy comes in and kills it. So I don't know how much uh, – that still hurts your job standing. We've got some big college hoops action this weekend, and – one of those massive games is in Knoxville as Tennessee takes on Auburn. We'll discuss the weekend of college basketball coming up on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. From 6th and Peabody, Outkick 360 rolls on. Happy Friday to all of you. Crew's all here today. Half of Nashville's here at 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beard, Old Smoky Moonshine. Great and to half see, of Tampa. Great to see Nick Martin, great friend of the show and partner with the Outkick Network. Great dude. With Fox Sports Shoals in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, in Huntsville, in Florence. Um, he was in town for a, a CRS, the country radio seminar that is here every year across the street from us, and he swung by um, and said hello from everyone in, in Alabama. If you're listening... To Fox Sports Shoals, uh, you are listening to a, a station that is uh, under great management. Shout out to Nick and everyone there, longtime Titans Radio partners, and uh, they jumped on board with Outkick as soon as we uh, announced what we were doing. And we certainly appreciate Nick and, and everyone there, Chuck and, and the great folks there. And as we add more stations, we will forever be grateful uh, to the original ones that jumped on board immediately. And Nick and his fine station were one of those original stations to believe in us and jump on board. So we are very thankful. Always remember your first. That's right. Always. Never um, forget. Pretty big game tomorrow for the Vols as they host Auburn. And it's going to be a great college basketball atmosphere. I mean, it's a, it's one of those matchups that, I mean, Bruce Pearl and Auburn, they've got a legitimate shot at the national title once the, once the tournament rolls around. But they've, you know, they've dropped one last weekend. They picked up another win against Ole Miss, and, and now they get Tennessee on the road. But recently, Chad, Auburn is they, vulnerable. Like, I'm not as confident in their tournament run as I was two weeks ago, but therein lies the college basketball season. What we are positioning for, we now see the SEC tournament on the horizon. After this week, what, two games left after this weekend? Yep, for three, all teams? three games for every team right now that's left. It'd be great. Yeah, it's um. So I would put Auburn in a group of six or seven teams if I'm looking at favorites uh, for the Final Four or favorites to win a national title. Auburn is right there. Tomorrow in the SEC is terrific from one to five p.m. Central Time. Kentucky at Arkansas, Tennessee hosting Auburn. That's the one o'clock game Central, the three o'clock game Central. Um, I'll take it a step further. And this is one of the best games of the year in college basketball. Yeah. I mean, just from a preview standpoint, 
uh, of what this game means and, and what it means for both teams and with the Bruce Pearl factor coming back to Knoxville, all that. Bruce Pearl had a lot of high praise uh, for Tennessee, and he usually does, but he went even further than he normally does. He said, I-, I have seen some Tennessee teams capable of going to the Final Four. They haven't done it yet. This is certainly one of those teams that is Final Four capable. And Bruce Pearl said, while we've done good things this year, this would be the equivalent of a Final Four-type win. This would be the best win of the season for them because of Tennessee at home being undefeated and how good they've looked at Thompson Bowling Arena. Um, Tennessee's got to figure out a way to consistently shoot a little bit better away from Thompson Bowling Arena, but they have been lights out at home this year, still undefeated on the season. Big question mark, though, for Tennessee. You've got John Fulkerson with a hit pointer. Rick Barnes says he expects him to go tomorrow. You've got a lot of young guys in the post. Jonas Adu's played better. He's getting more minutes. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield looked pretty good against Missouri. But can those guys, the bigs for Tennessee, Uros Plavsic, can they hold up against Jabari Smith, who's the number one pick in the NBA draft, and Walker Kessler, who is a seven-foot-one do-it-all player uh, for, uh, for Auburn? That's a big ask. That, that, to me, is where this game is one of the Tennessee has the advantage in guard play, which is rare going against a Bruce Pearl-coached yeah. Auburn team. But Tennessee's three-point guard lineup with Vescovy, Kennedy Chandler, Zakai Ziegler, that's better than what Auburn has at, at guard right now, uh, which is not normally the case. But Auburn, with Jabari Smith and his versatility and Kessler, those two bigs, that's going to be tough for Tennessee. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, I, I, you know, Pearl pumping up Tennessee, I, I mean, he's not wrong, but he, he's going to pump up Tennessee no matter what. Well, ten, the problem with Tennessee is, is what we've known all year. He's right. I mean, if they play like they have at times this year, like they did against Kentucky, uh, like they have in, in big wins on the, against Arizona at home is mm-hmm. going to be a number one seed, yeah, they could go to the Final Four if they play like that for four straight games. But if they go out there and, and score 48 points like they did at Arkansas, they're losing that's, to Toledo in the first round. That's the issue. There's and it's going, a huge upset. There's going to be one of those yeah. games, no matter what scenario you lay out for Tennessee – there's always that game that's the 58-48 final. Well, here's the other thing, too. If Tennessee wins this game, right now they're a three seed. And I'm not going by Joe Lenardi's bracket. And I love Joe Lenardi. He does a great job. Yeah, but it's preposterous. The NCAA like selection committee put out the seeds last Sunday, and Tennessee was a three seed. And all they've done since that came out was go on the road and beat Missouri by 20. So they're a three seed. If they beat Arkansas. I'm sorry, if they beat Auburn, Auburn. And then beat Arkansas and just don't trip up against Georgia, the worst team in the conference, this coming week. They're a two seed. They will be in 2C position going to the SEC tournament. It's a heck of a lot easier to get to that second weekend when you're playing a 7 or a 10 seed in round two as opposed to a 6 seed. And they're benefiting from the home games now. Yeah. You know, they, they've, they've, we've seen the atmosphere at Arkansas. They, they, they're now getting the top talent in the SEC at Thompson Bowling Arena where they play extremely well. And I, at a, a case in point would be Kentucky. You know, Fulkerson, and, and, and he's not the only example here, but if they come out and play to their capabilities the way they did against Kentucky on that weeknight at 9 p.m. tomorrow against Auburn, they're capable of winning by double digits. Really. I mean, if they play that style, and they always seem to play up to their talent at, at TBA. Coaches tend to fall into hyperbole territory a lot, but, you know, Rick Barnes said, people talk about the blue bloods. They don't talk enough about the orange bloods. When this thing is rocking, it's it is as good. good as anywhere in America. He's right. You. 
I mean, go and turn up the volume on this game tomorrow and tell me places that are louder than what Knoxville will be tomorrow when this game is good. This is a great game to watch because there are big implications, but it's also not some sort of season wrecker for either team, and it is going to be war in this game. And that is what I love to see in any big contest. These two teams will go after each other, and that's going to be fun to watch. I know the SEC tournament's here most of the time now. It's in Tampa. It feels year. weird that it's not it here this year. Yes. It feels weird that it's in Tampa. <laughs> that's, the, that's the weird part of yeah. it. It's been there a couple times before, but... Atlanta's the Are they done with yeah. the St. Louis rotation? Yes. Completely. Believe so. Maybe one more, or maybe there's a women's tournament going to St. Louis at some point, but I believe so. But so it's tomorrow. I mean, you really have a three-pack, a four-pack of games if you're into just getting into college basketball mode because you have Kentucky and Arkansas. That's your CBS game at 2 o'clock, uh, followed by Auburn and Tennessee on ESPN, and that should tip off right at the end of Kentucky and, and Arkansas. Kansas and Baylor will tip off on ESPN tomorrow night, and then that doubleheader, you have Gonzaga and St. Mary's, and St. Mary's is a top 25 team. That's always a nice rivalry. That's at St. Mary's. Um, that will be tomorrow night if you're willing to stay up a little late. But you've got the nice pack of games where you have multiple top 25 matchups. The marquee one takes place at Thompson Bowling Arena between Tennessee and Auburn. More on that game with Austin Price later in today's show. When we come back, former production assistant turned OutKick employee takes flight for the first time. <laughs> 